Have you ever agreed to something that sounds like a good idea at the time? And then you take a look at the work you need to get done between now and that idea. And then that window of time to get all that work done gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, that's what this three-part miniseries is all about as we jump into the first festival of 2024. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and today we are jumping into part one of a three-part series covering all the work that goes into brewing three beers for a beer festival. In this case, the Science on Tap Beer Festival from the Orlando Science Center right here in Orlando, Florida. Preparing for a beer festival is usually a relatively simple process. You get the details, you get the volunteer brewers and pourers for the event, and then those volunteers brew or deliver the beer that they have when it's ready, you set up, you serve, you break down, and you get ready for the next one. Well, none of that happened for this festival, and that is in no way the event's fault or any of our club members' fault. Our participation in the Science on Tap Festival came out of taking advantage of an opportunity that came up at the very last minute for us. We did have plenty of notice for this advance originally. Unfortunately, at the time, we were already committed to a different event on that same day. And that second event did not include us brewing any beer, so we didn't have any beer ready to just slide over to this event when the date came. But as fate decided to have it, that original event that we were committed to, that got postponed for a full month. So now we were free to serve beer at Science on Tap. We found all this out exactly 16 days before the festival, and our first step was to reach out and see if we could indeed attend the event. So we sent an email seeing if the opportunity was available, and in less than an hour, we got an answer that we were more than welcome to the event. So great. We're excited. Me and the president of the club decided that at the very least, we'd brew and serve so that we could do this. This is an event that is literally in our backyard, and it's a fantastic opportunity to let people know that the homebrew club exists and what we do. So we had to try to pull this off. So now next, we have to get the beer brewed. And if you've listened to this show before, you hopefully get a sense that my average brew process takes about five weeks. It's two and a half weeks fermentation and cold crashing, one week for packaging and clearing, and then one and a half to two weeks to let it settle and meld together and be the best version the beer can be at that stage. And by stage, I mean the initial tasting on the episode. So I'm at least getting a sense of what this beer is and where it's headed. So now at this point in getting ready for the festival, we have less than half of that time. In fact, we have less time than I'm usually comfortable with having the beer in the fermenter alone. And to make matters slightly more difficult, we decided between the two of us, we needed more than two beers to really show what home brewers can do. So I decided to brew three beers in 15 days. So obviously the only way I can do this is to take some shortcuts. The first shortcut was to pick three styles of beer that don't have to mature to be enjoyed. So I opted to brew a pale ale, which is almost always enjoyable when it's fresh. I went back to my hot pepper beer called Murder Hornet and brewed that so that the heat and the spices could kind of cover up the young character of the beer. And similarly, I made a batch of my smoked hop amber ale, again, letting the smoke flavor ward off any signs of how ridiculously young these beers were going to be at this festival. The other big shortcut I'm taking is that I'll be using Kvaik yeast for all of these beers. If you're not familiar with Kvaik, it's a Norwegian yeast strain, actually a set of strains, that 
thrive at higher temperatures without producing off flavors. They love high temperatures, and I mean high. 90 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit will get these yeast to ferment five gallons of beer in two to three days. I have enough time to not ferment that high, so I don't have to worry about setting up any kind of heating units. I'm going to let everything ride at room temperature. That's about 73 to 75 at this time of year, so that'll ferment everything in about seven days. So at this point in the story, I have my calendar, I have my plan, and I have my ingredients. Do we pull all this off? And that's what this three-part mini-series is going to find out. This is part one. This is all about brewing the three beers. Part two will be fermentation reports, post-fermentation work, and the packaging. Then finally, part three will be all of the other things that go into getting set up and ready for a festival and a little bit of a report on the festival and what we accomplished. And along with that, I will finally be tasting these three beers. That's a lot to get through. So let's get started with the Brew Day recordings. Today is, I guess, kind of the prep day for the chaos. That'll be the next three days of brewing. And there's two things. If I get done today, I put myself in pretty good shape to get all three beers done. And the first is to propagate the yeast. I got a fresh pack of Hordenol Kvike from Omega. A, I'm going to need some more to make three beers. They only had one pack. And honestly, if they had two or three, I probably would have bought them to kind of buy myself time really is what that was doing but they only had one but at least they had it it's fresh this thing this propagation will be done in 24 hours it's going to be just fine i got something there's another thing using kvike two things going for me one and i probably discussed this in the opening is that it's going to give me a less shorter fermentation time and kvike can be and prefers to be under pitch to get the flavors out of it so i don't need to make as big a starter as I would for all three beers. So I am going to make that now. I'm making a 16 milliliter starter. 800 of that is gonna go into the five gallon batch. And then the last 800 is gonna be split into 400 in the each two and a half gallon batch. So that is the first thing to get done. The other thing I wanna get done is I wanna smoke the hops for the smoked hop beer which is that's more just that's time consuming uh you just it just there's nothing you can really do except just keep lighting lighting the wood chips let the smoke fall lighting the wood chips it usually takes about three times to burn out all the chips in each one and i do it three times so that's like almost 10 times per batch of hops and man i guess i do it like four or five four or five batches of them so it's just gonna take it oh that'll just take time but if i can get moving and get these two things done, I will feel much better about starting brewing tomorrow. So I'm going to go do that now. I'm going to get this yeast starter started. That's the first thing done. So that, that way it should be done. It's 9 o'clock in the morning now. Definitely done by 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow with this fresh kvike. I can put it in the fridge and let it cold crash while I'm brewing. And then I can decant some of the wort off. Though I won't really need to, especially for the five-gallon or yeah one so um yep all right let me get started right now i've got the wort is what i want to say but i don't think it's technically wort because there's no hops i think it's sweet wort i've been saying sweet wort for years but i don't recall where i got that name from i don't think i made it up 
I'm sure I read it somewhere. Now, I don't remember the source, and I don't know if it was correct, but I will call it Sweetwort. I have that ready for this yeast starter. I'm going to need to cool it down. There's one more thing I need to do to prepare. To, I have to get done today to prepare for all these brews, and that is I have to go pick up a sack of grain. I ordered, I ordered a full sack of grain. We had the opportunity to order in bulk and have them brought here locally, and I did order a 50-pound bag of pale malt. Uh, that's the one I just go through most. It's all my IPAs, pale ales, and American Ambers, and my wife's recipes as well. We'll, we'll rip through that this year, and the price is, is less than... No, it's about... Yeah, it is a little less than buying it uh, by, by the pound. So I want to go get that tonight, mainly because I think I might need it to get these beers done. I, I have... Um, a fair amount of two-row already of pale malt. I have a lot of Maris Otter, and I have some Pilsner, but even mixing those together, all, all I have of those mace malts, I don't think I have enough to pull off three beers. Uh, so, I, in fact, I'm, I don't even think I have enough pale malt to do five gallons of this first beer, and then another five gallons with the two all together. So I'm going to go get that. Um, that is... <laughs> that is I know I have everything else. I, what should I say? Uh, this is what, I know I have everything else I need to get this done. There we go. There's going to be a lot of on-the-fly recipe changes as we go, especially with specialty malts. I don't think I'll have any specialty malts on, on hand after this, which might be good, too. might be time to clear out inventory and start again with fresh ingredients. But um, before I hit the road and do that, I'm going to cool this wort down to room temperature, pitch the yeast, get that starter going, and then that should just about bring me up to the time I need to start uh, headed over to pick that malt up. All right, my starter is spinning, so I feel good about having that done. I checked the hops to make sure I had enough of the Amarillo. That's what I typically smoke, and I do. I don't have enough of Cascade. And I was, I was thinking about smoking the late edition of that. I had to do a substitution of Centennial, and that's a higher alpha acid. So I, I'm using less. So I'm going to go, now I'm, I'm, I have the numbers in, I'm going to kind of look that over and see if I am going to smoke. I think I am going to smoke some of the Centennial. I think I had that figured out. It's how many of the additions I'm going to do. I'm not going to do all of them. I think that's going to be too much. But one, I think I did one with the Cascade last time, and there's three all together. So one, maybe two of the Centennial because it's less volume. So I don't know. I'll, I, that might be something. Well, I can't wing it on brew day because i got to smoke them before. But I might wing it when I get to smoking the hops. But I'm going to take a look at that now. And that'll be the next thing to get done today to prepare for the weekend. Well, first challenge to come up in all this. And I kind of knew this was <laughs> best, what's the phrase best laid plans of mice and man i knew i knew what i planned wasn't probably gonna be the final thing so after talking to some people that have attended this event before the two biggest complaints were that there's too many people and not enough beer actually kind of it's kind of one is they say too many people and not enough beer which to me translates to not enough beer for the amount of people that are there. Although lines, that's that's another issue. I can't really tell anything about that. So yeah, the Murder Hornet is always a huge <laughs> success and goes very fast when I do two and a half gallons. So I'm switching gears. I'm still making two and a half gallons of pale ale. Or no, I'm sorry, five gallons of pale ale. 
I'm now making five gallons of murder hornet with some adjustments because of just the malts I have. And now that yeast starter I just made a couple hours ago is going to have to be split in half between the paleo and murder hornet. And I just got a hold of some dry yeast, some Kvike yeast, Kvike Voss. A little different profile, but that's going to go in the smoke top one. And I would actually feel fine putting that in the smoke top or the murder hornet. Although a mur murder hornet was the brew I originally used Hornendal for. So I'd like to put Hornendal in there. So, um, not, no challenges that can't be overcome yet, but I'm hoping something of this nature, this capacity really is what it comes down to, doesn't crop up again. And the guy I'm going to the festival with is also now brewing a second five-gallon batch. He was going to, his original idea was, I believe, that we've had so many things back and forth in less than 24 hours. Literally less than 24 hours. Actually, this happened about 3 o'clock yesterday. And it's uh, 11.40 now, a.m. next day. Um, his original idea, from what I could gather, was he's going to make a five-gallon batch of something he could bike and then bring... He has a case of bottles of, of uh, mead that he was going to serve. So that's kind of like... That's that's about two and a half gallons-ish right there. About, I think, a little... Yeah, actually, yeah. You, get, you usually get 52 bottles out of five gallons. So that's like a couple of bottles less than two and we'll call it two and a half gallons so he's going to do the same thing but now he's putting another doing another five gallon too he's just trying to decide what possibly a lager with nova lager because that is it's not a kvike strain but it's a very quick strain and it can run at warm temperatures so uh yeah <laughs> right, so uh the regrouping is done i have my new plan hopefully I don't have to alter it much more i really can't capacity wise i'm gonna have enough base grain when I pick up the uh, 55 pound sack of grain I got from my friend that I brought back from Virginia but specialty malts now I will be almost out of specialty malts and I same problem that I talked about earlier I don't have time now at this point to go to any of the homebrew shops in the area really and get something if I need it so it really can't change this is what this is the plan I have to stick with at this point so this is what I'm doing going forward it's brew day number one and or at least the start of it haven't quite gotten there yet I did I didn't record getting the molds last night I did get them but that, I was in a rush traffic was awful and I really wasn't thinking of recording because of those two things being in a rush and traffic was awful and it's probably best to not try to multitask in the traffic situation that I was in last night, but I did get it. I got my main concern. This, this is where my mind goes on the way home. I'm like, did I grab the right bag? Cause it's, it was part of a larger order. I was like, I think I did. I'm reasonably sure I did. Once I got home and opened the trunk and saw it was pale, two row pale. I was like, okay, I got the right malt. So I felt better, slept well. And now I'm up to get water so I can start brewing today. And speaking of water, it's everywhere around me because it's been raining steadily since about like three or four in the morning. And in the swampland of Florida, it doesn't take too long for it to start collecting and pulling everywhere. It's supposed to be a nice, fun drive there and back, but uh, nothing I can do about that. Um, I think that's about all I got to plan so far. Or get, Well, I got to get ice too. But I don't need as much ice because I only need to drop it. I need to drop it to 90 degrees. I'll probably drop it closer to 80 to get it around room temperature so i don't need as much ice i usually get the biggest bag they have which i believe is 16 pounds and that gets me to that can get me to logging temperature so i still might get that 
large bag, but use half of it today and half tomorrow because I don't think I'll need that much ice because I can get it to about 100, 105 with my tap water, probably lower today because with this crummy overcast and weather, my tap water might be a couple degrees colder. So I think, yeah, I think I'll still get the big bag, but I don't think I'll need it. I don't think I'll need two this weekend, which will be nice. Save a couple bucks. So I think that's the plan I'm going to do. And that's it. I got to get to brewing. So uh, I'll, I'm right now at the mercy of a red light. So once this light changes, I'll be back on my way to getting this brew day started. I believe I mentioned it was raining last recording. It is now pouring, and it just started the second I stepped out from the overhang of the grocery store. I am soaked. I'm head to toe, completely soaked. I could probably wring out my clothes and have the water I need for brewing. That would be a hell of an experimental beer. So, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm sure the pouring will continue as I unload the car at home and then promptly stop when I'm done. And now I need to at least change my shirt. Well, I was going to have jeans on. I usually put shorts on anyway because I'm moving and running a lot. So now it's just going to be a complete wardrobe change. And then I have to wring out my hair best I can with a towel, I guess, or mop it up. I don't know what you call it. Wow. I mean, did it pour? Holy cow. <laughs> and, it's like, and there's like no time to wait and no time to turn back. So great. Great birthday start. This is going to be fun. I am back. I am a little drier and I've got everything set up. I'm about to add the water and I'm going to try something I've not done before that in my head works. Well, it's going to, I know it's going to do something in my head. It's going to do what I want it to do, which is not always the case. And that is I need eight altogether. I need eight and a half gallons of water. So seven and a half of that is going to go into foundry or go into strike. I should say, because that's, that's the key here. <laughs> it's not going in the foundry eight and a half for strike and mashing and a gallon for sparging. The obviously the more volume of water to heat up in this 120 unit, uh, well, this unit on 120, it can do 220. When I'm doing 120 today, the longer it's going to take. I am going to put in about five gallons of water into the foundry, and then I'm going to put that uh, yeah out of this five out of the seven and a half five in the foundry, and then two and a half in two pots on the stove, which is going to heat those up those small volumes up quicker than the foundry is going to heat up the five gallons. Then I'm going to add, I'm going to bring those up to about 180. I want them boiling because this is an experiment, so I don't want to go too far. I don't want to over, over uh, shoot my temperature goal and then have to cool this down. So I'm going to heat those up to 180, then add those in, and hopefully that raises everything closer, faster, and faster to my target temperature. We'll see. So that's what I'm going to try. My biggest concern is overshooting. I don't think I will. I think I'll severely undershoot. <laughs> And kind of be a little disappointed and wish I had boiled the water, but I, 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 cooling it takes much more effort and more equipment and labor than it does this to let it sit and heat up. So that's what I'm going to try. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know, uh, well, <laughs> after, the, after the water heats up. I'm not going to sit here and, uh, oh, it's watch paint dry. Okay, so the joke I was going to make is not a joke, and I might even edit that all out. I'm getting the grains together for this grist. It's a pretty simple grist. It's 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 hipster skull. It's a version of it. Right now, the only change is the uh, yeast is going to be kvike, but we might have to make a substitute here very shortly. But the plan is 11 pounds of two-row, one and a half pounds of Munich, eight ounces of 60L caramel malt, four ounces of carapils. I'm not sure I have enough 60L. 
but I have a lot of stuff that's close to it, so I might be mixing and matching here. Um, but I think I was just talking about whether or not I'm going to break open this sack of uh, grains for this beer. I, I seem to have enough for uh, RAR already for this, so I'm going to go ahead with that since it's the older malt and already been exposed to the air. Not that it's aging that rapidly because it hasn't been cracked open, but might as well get that emptied first before I start breaking open a completely new supply of grain. So I, I'm pretty sure I got 11 pounds in there plus. So I will find out here shortly. And then when I get to that 60L possible conundrum, I'll figure out what to do there. All right, quick malt update. I did have enough 60L, barely. In fact, here's what's left of the 60L after measuring out eight ounces. I'm not sure how that's going to sound on recording, but it's like they come in a little plastic one-pound bag, and there's not even an, and the bag is flat at the bottom. There's not even enough to cover the bottom of the bag. So just enough, and then some. So we're good. And I know I got the carapils. I've got like two pounds of that, and I only need a quarter pound. So I'm going to measure that out, mill this, and then see how close we are to having the water ready. Okay, I just did the water addition, and somewhere between my last talking about it and now, I realized the guaranteed way not to go over my strike temperature is only heat those two gallons of water to strike temperature, since this is an experiment. So that's exactly what I, well, roughly. <laughs> my strike temperature is 152, one of them was 154, one was like 153 point something, doesn't matter. I put those in, I was at 111. On my anvil, I'm now up to 135, so I raised that 24 degrees. So that worked. It raised it a, a, quite a bit. So I think if I push it to 170, I can get closer. So I will try that possibly next time. Although, well, next brew, I'm going to do something even different or more different. I'm going to do something different again. So that's another story. But next time I do this, I think I'm going to push the water additions a little further. So cool. I Save myself some time. Not a lot, but save some. And I've, I'm saving some for the future, too. So I'm glad that worked. So there we go. Okay, this episode is all over the place as far as sequence of things that have happened. But I wanted to address something that was talked about a few recordings ago. And that is that I'm now making five gallons of Murder Hornet. And if you remember from previous recordings before that, I made just enough yeast for a one five gallon batch and two two and a half gallon batches. So I need more yeast. And what I did before I split, now I need to split my starter into two instead of three. Before I did that, I made up 400 milliliters of wort and put in a little bit, probably about 50 milliliters of the yeast I already had in the starter. And I'm starting a new starter for that third beer. So if you were wondering, what was on up with that? That's what I'm doing now. So still should have enough yeast and the same strain of yeast for all three of these beers when all said and done. I am now mashed in on this first beer, the Pale Ale, the Hipster Skull, and it was went pretty well. This since I'm I am trying to get a five or I'm sorry, six gallon fermentable volume to make to leave enough room for all the trub and dry hops that go into this because quite a bit goes so i can get full five true full gallons so the mash is a little thinner than usual i think because of that although a new kind of it did increase the grain either way it doesn't matter it 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 mixed in really well no notice of dull, dull uh, dough balls that weren't easy to take care of and now i'm just kind of uh gonna let it ride 
I usually let it sit for about five minutes and turn on the recirculation pump. And then about five minutes after that, I'll see how we are sticking-wise. I don't expect uh, this sticking. This, the the um, malt pipe for this 10.5-gallon foundry is usually pretty good to me. It doesn't really give me much trouble. So, But I'll find out. And if, uh, if it does, I'll just stir more often than expected. That's all. I did my first real check of the mash after running the circulation pump, and it's the levels are pretty good. And what I mean by that is that the level of the liquid outside the mash pipe is almost even to its inside, which means the mash pipe isn't holding much back, if anything. There's going to be a little discrepancy because of the flow rate, but it does not look stuck. And it was about time to stir when I finally did get around to checking it and it, it didn't have any signs of resistance to stirring. So I think we're good. I'm not too worried about it. I'll keep stirring. I'm only doing a 40 minute mash and a 10 minute mash out. So I'll uh, usually do every 15 minutes, uh, probably about every 10 minutes because I just feel better stirring it four times during the mash to make sure everything gets as soaked in as much contact with the hot water as possible. So that is kind of the plan. But if I miss one, I don't think it's gonna make a real big difference at all. One thing I don't think I've ever talked about on this show is pH and that's because usually Beersmith if not always gives me the exact pH I'm looking for between my mineral additions and now that I said that I realize I'm probably going to use that to do what I'm about to talk about but I didn't so um, you're usually looking for somewhere around 5.2 pH for your the best uh, conditions for your yeast to do their job and that is, like I said, it, it, Beersmith has always got me within a point or two. It's never been anything outrageously off, so don't really talk about it since I already talk about using Beersmith to balance that out. In this case, Kvike has a tendency to not directly sour, but bring a sour element over time. And since this first beer is probably going to be done in five days and then sitting for two weeks before it's served, there's a potential of that tartness to come out. There's been a lot of studies by people far more into the chemistry of brewing than me that have found if you start with a higher pH, uh, the lower pH is where the sourness comes in. Uh, in fact, that's a, a discussion for a sour beer. You're usually looking for something in the three range when you're done as opposed to the five when you start with a regular ale. But anyway, my point is they, have they found a sweet spot of instead of 5.2, 5.4 to 5.5 to start, to pitch at and to... to uh, to ferment your beer to ward off that sourness as long as, as, as whatever extent of time they've found it, which is pretty significant, much longer than I need for the festival. So I am going to be doing that. I have got some slate lime ready, which is its technical or chemical name, I guess. It's called calcium hydroxide. That'll help me raise the pH when I get to that point. I'm not going to get to it yet till after I sparge, but I did take a measurement. I'm at a 5.2 exactly, so I'm going to need to raise this. I want to get it to 5.4, at least 5.4, no more than 5.5, five, obviously, if I can get in between the two. And my pH meter does measure out two decimals. If I can get 5.4 or 5, I will be very happy. So I am going to raise this, um, get as close as I can to that target, and then try to ward off that sourness, at least for this beer. For Murder Hornet and the smoke. The smoked beer I'm going to do, smoked hot beer, that's not going to matter. The, the spice and the smoke are going to mask anything that comes out in two weeks. But this one's going to be a lot more sensitive to it, this pale ale. So I'm trying to ward that off. And hopefully this will work. 
I am about to do the mash out. I did the last stir and I waited a little long and there was a little bit of sticking, but not nothing unmanageable. I got it loose. So I'm kind of waiting for this to even out, which is pretty much is right now. I'm just going to give it a little, the that mash, that grain bed, a little rest before I start the sparging. I did go ahead and add the slake lime because I couldn't quite decipher if I was supposed to do it during the actual mashing process or after it. And I still don't have the answer from the documentation I was looking at. So I asked a friend who has done a lot more Kvike brewing and he's actually said I probably should have done that already. Like not initially at the mash, but somewhere at the halfway point. So but he says it still should be okay to do now. So I did, I got it to 5.43 and it took more, not, I wouldn't say a obscene amount of, of this slaked lime, but it took more than I was expecting. It's like, I don't want to put any more in it and, and, and uh, to get to that last point zero two, I'm good with, with this number. I'll stick with this. So point, um, five, four, three, which I think I already said five, four, three is where I'm at. I wanted five, four, five, but <laughs> with this being the first time and me not being super comfortable with the amounts I have to use to get to this point, I will, I'm going to stick there. So I got my pH balanced. I'm about to mash out. I'm going to let the malt pipe and sparge. And then, well, we'll get to the rest. I'm already kind of telling the story before it's done. The whole sparge is coming gone. And that's my fault because I kind of set up, I set up a step stool, like put it in a perfect position to get the malt pipe out and hang it on the side of the anvil, the foundry itself. And I wasn't hitting the target right. I ended up moving the, just kicking the stool out of the way, doing it myself. And that was a lot easier for some reason, doing it at ground level as opposed to <laughs> the step stool worked out much better. So then I was kind of laughing about that uh, to myself because no one else is here. <laughs> Put the step stool away, sparge, then got out the malt pipe and started to clean that and realized I didn't record any of that. But not that that was, ow, I just, I don't know if you heard that. I just really I kicked the pedal chair pretty good enough to actually kind of hurt my toe through the shoe a little bit. Ooh. Anyway, wow, did I get sidetracked? So anyway, um, I guess what I was trying to say was uh, the whole sparge is coming. Oh, I know what I was gonna say not that any of what I just described would come across in a recording, and I couldn't anyway because this is definitely a two-hand operation, so I couldn't record it either way. So I'm not quite sure why I told that whole story. So now I'm just waiting for the boil and then get to uh, all the boil editions when that time comes. All right, the boil is going, and I did put the first boil edition in, but I have not talked about the boil editions for this beer, so I'm gonna go through it now. And it's only three hop editions, and they are blend of citron mosaic. And I say blend because I did not have enough to do a 50-50 split of mosaic. So since the first two are relatively the same amounts, the first one's a little higher, I, I kind of put enough of I put the same amount in each of that those containers of mosaic and then put the rest of the mosaic into the third edition. And then I topped this all off with citra. And the final way to the blend, I'm sorry I can't give you more accurate numbers than this. That's just the way this brew is going to go. It's 0.85 ounces of citra at 45 minutes, 0.75 ounces of citra at 10 minutes, and then 2.8 ounces of citra at one minute. Then I'm supposed to do a half and half of mosaic and citra at dry hop and I might be able to do that. I think I can get mosaic from Yakima Valley hops in the, by the middle of the week so that I can actually put them in. So I think that will happen. We shall see. If not, it'll be all citra, which will be fine, especially for a festival beer. That's, that actually would be, I think, a pretty good flavor all on its own. 
um, World Flock at about five minutes, and then East Nutrients at ten minutes, and then that's it for the Bell Editions. And now I'm just kind of waiting for that second one I mentioned just a few seconds ago. just put it in the second boil edition that is the hops and these nutrients I actually did them side by side i had the half teaspoon of yeast nutrients already in one hand in the left hand if you really want a metal picture in the left hand and the cup of hops in the right hand and both in at the same time which meant i couldn't record it at the same time because my two hands were already full Okay, I'm basically all done with the the beer portion of this i gotta clean up still i just kind of was getting on a little bit of a tear and didn't stop and record. And it's stuff you've all heard before. Nothing nothing is new. So at one minute, I put in the last hops. And then I started to chill right after that. I killed the power to the heating elements. Chilled. I got it down to 78, which is uh, the ice was just about gone. I used half the ice of the bag I bought today. I was like, I was looking for 75. Kvike can go to like 104, so 78 is good enough. Pitched it. I have it in a thermal bag. It's a thermal wrap I have for my, uh, I believe it's called, oh, what is it called? It's the, oh man, it's the, it's the heat, it's the heat exchanger that I use for fermenting. Oh man, I forgot what it's called. Brew jacket, I think is what it's called. Puts in a long, uh, there's a long rod that's hooked up to a huge heat exchanger and it draws heat out of the, out of the war, but I, I'm using that bag to keep this as warm as possible. I'm only going for room temperature on this. It say, as it says on the pack, 90 degrees is a, really where you want it. But I'm, I'm gonna. I don't have anything reliable to heat this up with, so I'm just gonna go for room temperature, which is consistently 75 in this house. And that's it. Um, well, that's it for this beer. But I'm going to go ahead and measure out the grist for murder hornet next so that's one less thing i have to do tomorrow and maybe mill it um the the everything the buckets i'm one bucket short to weigh everything out and mill it and the uh if it's dries in time before i get involved with the rest of my evening and day i'll do it if not i'll, I'll mill it millet's a lot milling it's a lot quicker than weighing it out so i'm gonna do that right now and then I got something going on with the water for tomorrow that I'll talk about. The grist for this murder hornet is this one. And it's different every time because this, this beer was born out of what do I have on hand that I can make real quick? And this is a terrible grist. Like, don't ever do this, but it works for this beer. Six and a half pounds of two row. And I'm almost positive I still have enough of that on RAR. So I don't, still don't think I'll be opening this. Uh, new freshly purchased and picked up uh, sack of grain then one pound 12 ounce maris otter one pound six ounce vanna malt then one pound of munich malt and who's all those base grains again this is born from a beer that i made in a pinch that works i don't stray far from it so that's why there's so many base malts again you don't ever want to do that then to that i got nine ounces of melanoid malt Eight ounces of caramel 50-60, which I'm not sure I have enough of. That one might be short. Two ounces of Crystal 40L. Uh, two ounces of Karastan. Two ounces of Viking Caramel 400, which is actually 140L. And then one ounce of Carafa 2. And that one I'm not sure I have enough of either. So we'll find out. So I'm going to weigh these all out and see what I got. 
Okay, I did have to make some adjustments, and I did not write them down because I'm never going to brew this this way again. The next one will be even different than this. And the first adjustment was I did not have enough 5060L, but I had some British 7080L. So I think I had six ounces of, no, I had five ounces of 5060, put an ounce of 7080, and then I put in another ounce of two row to kind of balance it out. Is that mathematically correct? No, probably nowhere close, but for this, doesn't matter. And then the other thing I didn't have, uh, craft two. I thought I had a ton of craft two. I had 0.4 ounces of craft two and I needed one ounce. So I put in 0.4 ounce, the 0.4 ounces I had. No, I'm sorry, 0.2 ounces I had. Then I put in 0.4 ounces of craft three and 0.4 ounces of craft one. That is probably closer to actually working out, but I didn't write down the SRM numbers to do the math. Again, not a big deal for this beer. So that's the changes I had to make. And now, um, yeah, that's about all I can do for this, but I can start. Well, I'm not gonna do it now. Later tonight, I can get the water ready. I'll talk about that when I get to it. I am driving to the store again. The same store I went to in the, possibly the recording that opened up this brew day, or at least one of the early ones. And I'm also going for water again, and it's for brewing, but I'm not brewing again today. This time what I'm doing is getting the water I need for the next brew, and then I'm going to load it into the Anvil Foundry, and I'm gonna to try to use the delay timer. And what that is, is that I set the temperature that I wanna brew at, and then tell it to start actually warming up the water in X amount of hours, like 12 hours for just a round number. I'm saying try because I've not used this before. <laughs> I know it's a feature on here. I know uh, I've looked up how to work it, but I've never done it. Hopefully I do it right. And the idea is that my I should have strike temperature or uh, strike water at the temperature, at mashing temperature when I get it tomorrow and go to brew. So that is the plan. We'll see. Um, it's the first time I'm trying it. At the very least, at least I won't have to put the water in i can just turn on the foundry if i forget a step but uh i don't see why it wouldn't work if it works early i guess it's going to evaporate some water but it's only going to be at like 152 i think maybe 150 154 at most if you have to look at the temperature i put this uh, recipe at but it's not like it's boiling so i'm not going to lose a whole lot of water so either way as long as it turns on and heats up water I should be good and worst case scenario if it doesn't I save myself a couple minutes putting the water in the foundry so that is the plan and I already have the grain measured out I have not milled it yet because the like I don't remember if I said in the recording or not the uh, only other well the other buckets I have big enough to hold that much grain were still wet or damp a little bit of uh, moisture still in them from brewing earlier today so I didn't want to mill into those and have them sit in water so once those dry it's still, it's still fairly early in the evening I'm sure they will dry and I can mill tonight before I go to bed and then should in theory wake up just and grab that bucket of grain and dump it right in the foundry that's how I should be starting my day tomorrow we will find out I just woke up a few minutes ago, and the foundry has been running for an hour. I know, because my wife woke me up thinking I wanted to be up when the foundry started. 
I did not. <laughs> I wanted that extra hour. And it's at 148 or 152. That's really close. This is going to be ready any second. So it's actually enough time for me to get the salts in there, get them well mixed up. Because I measured it last night. And then even though it's not super humid in the house, the air is just humid in Florida. So they're probably clumped together. They're going to need a little coaxing to get mixed in and integrated into the, into the water. And... I can go grab my bucket of grains. I don't need to mill them. I did that. I, I would think about that time. I'm ready to mash in. So I'm going to, as soon as I'm done recording, I'm going to start a stopwatch, the stopwatch app on my phone, because I think this is potentially a three-hour brew day. And if that's the case, this, is, this changes how I do everything. So we're going to find out today. I'm pretty excited. All right, I am mashed in. I did put in a layer of rice holes on top because this is less water, though it's also less grain. Just, it's for peace of mind. It's for my own benefit. And I mashed in, and it seemed pretty thick at first, but I think it's because I dumped too much grain in too fast because once I loosened everything up and got rid of the dough balls, it's it's about what it was just, ah, eh, it's a little thicker than yesterday. But it's in the same range i guess of thickness it's not too thick and it's it should be okay but i do have the rice holes in so that should help if i get a stuck mash and i'm gonna let it sit for about five minutes before i start the recirculation and then uh yeah we'll just go on with the mash from there and then i'll probably should start getting the boil additions ready I did my first stir and it seems okay. I'm gonna make sure I stir it every 10 minutes so it doesn't get stuck. I didn't mention at all, because I'm still waking up. I'm about a third of the way through a Red Bull now. I'm making Murder Hornet today. I don't even know if I said that. I, I don't remember <laughs> what I said yesterday. I would like to think I mentioned it, but let me say it now. Today is the Murder Hornet brew day. And this is, this is, uh, it's the hot pepper is really the star. The rest of it doesn't really matter. And I know I'm going to make some hop substitutes because I saw one right off the bat that I talked about yesterday already. So I'm going to go ahead and I uh, got my box of hops in the freezer. Going to get that out, pull out what I need, get my hot pepper additions and another addition, boil addition ready, which we're going to talk about probably in the next recording. Just finished the initial mash and turned up the temperature and the heating element for the mash out. I'm gonna get it to 168, hold that for 10 minutes. And also got the boil additions ready during the mash. And there was one substitution which I knew. I didn't make it in Beersmith, but I knew that was, I was pretty sure I was gonna have to make it and I found out yesterday as you're going to hear uh, very soon here. So let's get to them and it'll make more sense all together if I tell the entire story. So for the hop additions, first hop addition is Magnum 0.55 ounce at 45 minutes. This is going to be a 45 minute boil. So that starts off the boil, 45 minutes. Then in Beersmith, it said 0.60 of mosaic. But yesterday I talked about how I used all my mosaic that I had. So I'm going to substitute that with Centennial again for this one, <laughs> this beer. Uh, hardly matters as long as it's close because the pepper is a star. And then one last edition of Citra at one minute. And then for the, 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 what makes this beer, this beer, putting in three teaspoons of habanero powder at 10 minutes and then 0 0.80 grams, just under a gram of Naga Viper pepper. That's the same amount of Carolina Reaper pepper I put in. And that's pretty hot. And this is supposed to be a hotter pepper. Now, I don't know if this powder is hotter. I mean, it's, 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 it's dried and desiccated, um, 
or macerated, is that the word? It's ground up, let's say that. <laughs> it's um, powder of the, the actual pepper, so it should be hotter. So this should can potentially be a hotter beer than it's ever been before because I'm putting the same amount in. I'm not dialing it back. And then for just the tradition, although I don't think this makes as big of a difference as it used to, I'm putting in, let's see, where... Oh, it's not on my boil. I bet it's in my fermentables because it's technically a fermentable. I'm just looking for the amount. I know what it is. There it is. Yeah, it's under fermentables. Oh, it, doesn't, it says zero minutes. That's why. And it doesn't say boil. Okay, Um. anyway. Oh, there it is. Okay, it's on the first page. And it's, it's oh, it's listing it as putting it at 60 minutes. I must have forgot to change that. I put it in about 10 or 5 minutes. And that is the capsaicin infused honey. Three ounces of that. So that is, I think, I'm sure it adds something to it, but I've always used that. That's the reason I made this beer in the first place was buying that honey, and I still have it because I only use it <laughs> at a time, and I certainly don't use it for anything else. So that'll go in as well. So that is this edition's Murder Hornet. I was going to say this year's, but we got a lot of festivals, so there may be more versions of it this year coming. Well, the boil started, so I started the timer and added the first hop edition. And I am still cleaning because I had a disastrous emptying of the malt pipe. The bag, usually what I do is I put the bag on top of the malt pipe, flip it over. As I flipped it over, somehow side of it slipped my grip and half of those, however many pounds of grain were in there, fell all over the sink, inside the sink. I don't mind that they, if when they go in the side with the garbage disposal, but they kind of went half and half between the two sinks. I had to scoop out as much as I could and I really had to scoop out everything out of the one sink the rest I rinsed down the garbage disposal it wasn't that much so it's not gonna it won't stick anything it won't or clog anything that's what I'm looking for but now now I'm just getting on to cleaning the actual malt pipe which is I'm usually done that in like plenty of time for boil so I guess that's the trade-off I got for yesterday. Yesterday was absolutely perfect. Today is... Speaking of that, let's check the numbers here. So I'm at 10.52. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. 10.51 is my target. So at least that's going right. But so far, the, uh, I don't know, the, post, the adjacent brew process is not going so well. And that's the other thing I forgot. I just, as I stepped in something sticky... I set the, when that happened, I quick set the malt pipe down on the floor, not realizing that some stuff was going to still drain out of it. So I guess just a splattering of sweet wort all over the floor. I'm going to have to clean this whole floor when I'm done. So, yeah. All right. Well, yesterday was perfect. Today, not so much. But luckily, I think all in all, I'm still going to save a lot of time. I don't think we're going to hit three hours. I think we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to exceed three hours. Is a better way to say that. But it's still going to be probably one of the shortest brew days I've ever done, especially for five gallons. But time will tell on that. I went through all the last boil additions, the two hops, the yeast nutrients, the whirl flock, and the hot pepper, of course. Oh, and the honey. Forgot I almost forgot about that, too. So it's all incorporated. It's being chilled now. It is, let's see, it's down to 153. Yeah, it's on 152. It's at mashing temperature. So I'm going to chill this down to about somewhere between 75 and 80, and then... Uh, yeah, let the yeast do its work. I'm really curious to taste this, especially with that Naga Viper edition, see how much different this is than the past. But uh, that's something that's going to have to, one of those wait and see things. 
The second of three brew days for Science on Tap is done. Murder Hornet is in the fermenter. Chilled it down to 78. That's like as far as it seemed one to go without me starting to scoop out ice out of my ice maker, out of my freezer. So I was like, this is fine. I think these <laughs> two really big brew days are blending together. I think that's actually what I pitched at for the other beer anyway, for Hipster Skull. But it's in the fermenter. Yeast is pitched. It is been moved all the beers are being moved into the guest bathroom in the bathtub uh, mainly because i'm not quite sure what kavike is going to do in terms of blow off i'm giving lots of headspace i'm using seven gallon fermenters fur monster fermenters that should be fine but with so much beer and such an aggressive yeast i want to make cleanup as easy as possible if that happens otherwise the options are carpeted or hardwood floored areas if we're in any living areas or in the kitchen which is just not it's, i've already I've, I've made enough messes in the kitchen brewing i don't need to add fermentation onto that and my fermentation chambers even they wouldn't fit these anyway uh i usually use the brew jacket on these one at a time but they wouldn't fit anyway and they're full so i've got what i got now with that i've got five beers fermenting one cider two meads so I'll have another beer fermenting. So I'll have six. Six beers. So I'll have nine fermentations going by tomorrow. That's a lot for someone that said they're going to take it, take it very easy in 2024. So, so much for that. It's what? what? I don't even know what the date is today. It's from still single digits. Seventh. Seven days in, I have more fermentations than days in the year going for the year I said I was going to take it easy. I didn't talk about some... Essential numbers on this brew day for Murder Hornet. First, my starting gravity, my target was 1055. I got 1056. So that is right on. I'm happy with that. And the total brew time with milling everything the night before, weighing, weighing out the grains, milling them, getting the salts ready, putting the water in the anvil foundry, and setting the timer. Total brew time was three hours and 29 minutes. And I think I probably lost a couple minutes or gained, I guess a better way to say it, I gained a couple minutes on that from the um, spill I had of the malts that I had to clean up because some things that I usually have got will get clean by the time everything's said and done, I was cleaning after the brewing was done. So I think that added a few minutes on, just a few, like couple, maybe even just a couple minutes. These recordings, I think, added a couple minutes onto that. And I can still reduce my boil by 15 minutes and do a half hour boil. That seems to be kind of the new homebrew standard. And I could probably reduce the mash another 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, and get to that three hour uh, kind of unofficial goal I've now kind of wanted to do. So I'm gonna, and that was, this is for five gallons. I think for, for two and a half gallons, that's, a, that's just, I think I can shatter that three hours. So I think I'm gonna have, Quite a few opportunities. I'm going to do more festival beers, and I think I'm almost always going to do um, a Hipster Skull for it because that's just always a really good beer, simple recipe, fairly inexpensive to make. And if this Kvike version works out for Science on Tap, I might just always do it Kvike to save myself that chilling time. So I think I'm going to have quite a few chances this season to try to break that or or yeah get to that three hour mark so i'm pretty excited about it this is definitely the way i'm going to do festival beers period like i am going to weigh everything out mill it 
and get that water on uh, that turn that timer on the night before that that's this is the way every festival beer is going to be made from now on so uh yeah that was pretty exciting i'm very happy about that and definitely a tool or a feature i should say that i'm going to on on the foundry that i'm going to be using a lot in the future It's a couple hours after brew day for Murder Hornet, so I'm checking out the beers in the in the, the fermentation on the beers. The uh, first one, Hipster Skull, had a huge carousing yesterday by nighttime already, but not much airlock activity. And today, until now, it didn't have much airlock activity, and I couldn't quite figure out why. So I kept, what I do to check if there's actually activity sometimes when fermentation is just starting, I'll kind of press down on the, the stopper to see if it's, it gets any resistance and, and pushes some CO2 into the airlock, and this did. And then I noticed it was popping for a few seconds and then stopped. And I couldn't see if the stopper is actually visually moving or not, but that was my suspicion. I've now got four rubber bands holding it down because there's a nice little ledge on the underneath where you screw down the cap on this, and it, it can hold a rubber band really easily. So I have four rubber bands holding this down. And ever since I did that, this airlock is chugging like a steam engine. So it's it's it was leaking out of the the stopper, which is better than it leaking out of the lid, which I have had these with these lids sometimes. There's like a bad run of O-rings on these lids or something for a little while. I think I, I thought I had replaced them all by now, and I st now I still think I do because this was definitely the the uh, uh, stopper that was the problem. So I'm going to, since that worked or that, that sealed everything up nice and tight, I'm going to do the same with the Murder Hornet. It's also in a Fur Monster, same lid. Same type of stopper, same airlock. That way, I don't have to worry about it later. So I'm going to go ahead and do that now and then just let this Kavike yeast do its thing. One note I forgot to make about the Murder Hornet earlier today, and I was just thinking about it now for some reason. I'm not doing anything beer-related for once, or brewing-related, or either or. And it just hit me that I never mentioned that I did taste it, and there is a spiciness to it. But I'm not picking up anything stronger from the Naga Viper than I was the Carolina Reaper. But this is one of those beers where it doesn't come out right away. Especially, I think if I remember correctly, in the wart. I just I was happy that there was a spice character and a heat to it. Pretty sure once it ferments and all those really sweet sugar and complex sugar changes are, are gone, the heat's going to come out. It's not going to have much time to mature, but I think it's going to be much more pronounced and stronger. So I'm not really, uh, don't really have an opinion on Naga Viper versus Carolina Reaper in this beer yet. And I am not definitely probably, well, I, I'm not going to until the fermentation is done. That's for sure. And I might not even have a complete one at the time that this is done because it'll be two weeks. It'll be It'll have been, yeah, two weeks today starts to count down the 14th, the 14th day. Uh, or not even really. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. I'm trying to do my math now. I guess it's 13 because I can't really count the day of the event. Although, there's a good chance I'll be kicking the day of the event because we don't need to be there until about 11. That still gives me like three good hours in the morning. So, well, cross that. Oh, God, I'm already worried about that. I'm going to cross that bridge when it comes to it. But I don't know that I'll have a full... Um, opinion on Naga 
Viper versus Carolina Reaper in this one this time round. But there's heat. That's good. That means I'll definitely be there's heat now. There's going to be heat later, probably more when the event comes. So I'm happy with that. It is brew day number three, third day in a row. And I had, I was going to say I had every intention. I kind of wanted to get the grist weighed out and milled get some water yesterday and get everything set up today and have the timer set so I could start mashing in right after work, but that just didn't happen. I, I started my day with a doctor's appointment and that had my workday start late and I caught up by the end, but that's the thing. I caught up by the end. I didn't catch up and then have a chance to break away and set everything up and put the water in. So I am starting at, right after work. Still though, uh, it's going to be a shortened mash a shortened boil, and it's two and a half gallons, so everything will take less time to heat up, at least for the mash and the boil. So, no big deal. Uh, I do need to start setting up, though, uh, to get even started, so I'm going to do that now, and this is going to be, I think I forgot who announced what beers I'm doing as I'm going. I remember this time, this is going to be the hopped, or the, geez, I already screwed up, the smoked hop amber ale. So that is what I'm making tonight for the third and final beer for the Orlando Science Center Science on Tap event. I've got the small foundry set up, the six and a half gallon foundry, and my wife is going to pick up the water for me on the way home. She actually passes a grocery store uh, directly, so that will help me out a little bit. And while I wait for her to come home, I'm going to go ahead and get the grist together for this and then uh, salts as well. But might as well get the grist done now, get the harder part out, uh, harder part out of the way. So this one, this is a little bit of a kitchen sink uh, recipe too, as far as the malts go. This was another one, much like Murder Hornet, that I put together um, of, uh, out of what I had, and it's worked, so I kept with that. And this one is, except for the hop change, which I already did, and I may have already talked about, but I'll talk about that later. The smoke top in particular is what got changed. It's The malts are the same, it's just going to be more. I've only ever done a one-gallon batch of this. So for this one, we're looking at four and a half pounds of pale malt, two-row. I may or may not have enough raw. We're going to find out. I might finally open this huge bag of Murphy and Rue today. That might happen. I'm not quite sure. It's. I'm not sure if it's, if it's close, but I don't think it's quite four and a half pounds. We'll find out. But with that, 7.6 ounce of red ale malt. 5.7 ounce of Carahel, 3 ounces of Crystal 7080, 3 ounces of Melanoidin, 0.5 ounce of Carafa 2, which I think I'm out of. I'm going to make a substitute. That's right, because I did a blend of 1 and 3 last time. All right, I'm going to have to substitute this one. So uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do 0.25 of Carafa 1 and 0.25 of Carafa 3. 0.5 of chocolate malt. I know I'm good there. And that's it. That is, I say that's it. That was quite a bit. But uh, I don't have any of that weighed out, so I'm going to start that right now. All right, just to make a quick report, the time did come. I had to open that 50-pound bag of malts and put in a pound and two ounces, 2.2 ounces exactly, a pound, 2.2 ounces of Murphy and Rude Pale Malt 2-Row into this recipe. And I am very proud to say I spent enough time in breweries and kind of hung out on brew days that I successfully found the uh, hanging string that you pull and then just rips open the entire top of the of the um, grain bag. I didn't have to look that up. 
I found it and it worked. I only opened it halfway because I wanted to seal it back up because I needed a pound. I was actually pretty proud of myself. Wish I had videoed that because I never actually did it. I saw it being done and had it pointed out to me, but never did it. First time I did it and I did it successfully. So there, I'm done patting myself on the back. I have to get back to weighing grains. It's the next day after brewing the Smoketop Amber Ale. It was, I uh, wanted to get done quick. There were other people in the house, so I do get a little self-conscious about recording that, especially while they were enjoying something in, on TV, which is, we have a Florida great room, so there are no walls between the kitchen and the living room, really. Uh, so I didn't record. There was really nothing to note, except until the very end. My volume is about a quart lower than... I expected, but my number was dead on. It was exactly dead on. My starting gravity goal was 1051, and that's exactly what it was. So this is, a, I point this out because this is, I think, the first time I've done a reduced mash and a reduced boil. Boil being the big thing here because the grain absorption is going to do what it's going to do if you leave it in for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I would imagine. So I'm going to have to, I guess, recalculate that or, or create a particular profile for the um, half-hour boil. Now, this is on the six-and-a-half-gallon boundary. The ten-and-a-half was perfect. I don't know why the six-and-a-half was so short. That's, that's significantly short, especially when there's going to be loss because of all the hot matter. And, uh, and I ended up emptying the kettle as much, or the, the foundry as much as I could, so it's going to have more true at the bottom than normal so i'm gonna probably have about a half gallon loss that's probably gonna be about two gallons when all said and done which is unfortunate because we need every ounce that we can muster up for this festival so i'm gonna have to go back and try to figure that out i guess i don't know i was gonna say with a water test but i don't know that's gonna tell me exactly what i need i think i'm just gonna have to fiddle with the, it was one of those situations where i'm gonna have to fiddle with the numbers until it's dialed in and do the half-hour boils again. So that's it, it's that's not super terrible. I mean, I wish I'd hit the the volume mark so we'd have everything we can possibly bring to this. But it's it is what it is. It's better than <laughs> nothing. It's better to have that two extra gallons at this point because we just need the beer. So uh, it is like I said. The next day, it's uh, is it about? Yeah, it's twelve. It's let's see. Uh, it's actually fourteen hours after cleanup. Uh, so I pitched 14 and a half hours ago that Kvike is going strong, the Hordenol, and they're all Hordenol. I didn't end up having to use any of the Voss because I was able to propagate enough, hopefully, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what the attenuation is, but enough to do three batches of beer. So that is going. I'm going to start measuring the hipster skull very soon here. I know it's only three days later, but this is Kvike and it is warm in the room it's in so it might be getting close to cold crashing that already we'll find out so that's it i think i'm all cut up on brewing i'm just happy i don't have to do anything for this <laughs> science center tonight maybe fill out an email form but i don't have to do any physical labor for this i need the break i love the brew but three days in a row it, that's a that's a little more than i'm used to That will do it for this episode and for part one of this three-part series. Part two and part three are going to be a little different than our regular episodes. They are going to focus on what it took to get the beer ready to get to the festival, followed by what it takes to set up for a festival. 
It's not something I've ever done before, and I thought it might be fun to share what goes into getting these tents up and beer served and everything ready for these festivals, especially if you're a person that enjoys festivals but have never worked one. So a lot more on that coming very soon as part two and part three should be right behind us. So until then, I will say, of course, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. Music.